Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Microtrends, big changes. Mark Penn. Richard, you know that Bruce Springsteen song from small things, mama, big things, one day. From small come. things, mama, one day, big things come. Right. Something like that. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listening to it this morning, actually, Jim. <laughs> I think there's a real lesson in there. You know, we tend to focus on the big things. Who got elected president? Will there be a recession? Will there be a war? But often it's the little things, the almost invisible trends that lead to those big events. Facebook says, you know what? Uh, this Cambridge Analytica thing, we're gonna, we've really closed our platform now so that no one can get data like Cambridge Analytica and analyze it. But the truth of the matter is, so what do you think Facebook does with the data? Our show is about fixes. Yeah, how to make the world a better place. How, how do, do we, we fix, fix it? it? How do we fix it? We have a fascinating guest today who made his career out of noticing the little things that might turn into big things. He calls them microtrends. Mark Penn is a pollster and political consultant. He's worked for Bill and Hillary Clinton, as well as for Microsoft. In the 90s, he identified the rise of the soccer moms who helped elect Bill Clinton. And in 2007, he wrote the book Microtrends, dealing with many similar trends. Now Mark is back with Microtrends Squared, which looks at a whole new set of leading indicators. Mark joins us via Skype. Welcome to How Do We Fix It? So, Mark, what are some of the microtrends you're looking at now? Well, you know, I, I start out in the book in things like dating and love to, to get people interested. And I flip back and forth between, well, what's happening with some of the some of the very oldest groups because I find them so interesting. So I have things like graying bachelors where seniors now have internet dating that they didn't have, more cash in their pocket and and single guys in their 60s are, are a rarity. You know, they're outnumbered 100 to 62 by single women, and they're living the life of the Fonz, com complete with STDs. That, 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 that dates for. you, Mark, the Fonz. That's a, that's a dated <laughs> reference. Well, the, the Fonz is well, in that demographic. <laughs> <laughs> then you go back to the, the millennials. You know, I have a good chapter on single with pet or SWPs where they've delayed childbirth so long that they say, well, maybe I should start with a dog, which which, you know, then creates the need for dog walkers and, and dog policies and in offices and and has been great for the pet industry. But when the first child comes along, this pet is really in serious trouble and needs a pet psychologist. Mark Penn, what are micro trends? 
Well, I, I try to say that a microtrend is a kind of small, sometimes one or two or three percent trend that may not become a majority trend, uh, but has social, political, economic, or consumer significance. Take like uh, nanogenarians. Okay, statistically, I can say, well, there were a couple hundred thousand. Now we're moving to several million people living into their 90s. That's projected to go up to 8 million in the next couple of decades. So now what are the, that's a, that's a clear microtrend. It's never going to be like 20% of society, but it has huge impact on the labor market because people in their 90s need home health aids, need a tremendous amount of health care. Speaking of counterintuitive, one of the trends you talk about in your book is what you call techno-Luddites. Yeah, so for every trend, there's a counter trend. And so so think of that, that there, there are a group of people turning off to technology. Interestingly, is the, is the growth of flip phones. Uh, there's a resurgence in flip phone purchasing so that we actually sell two million of them uh, a year. And so there's an enormous marketplace in, in technology. There is a modest but very significant micro trend in people who want to go the other way. I think that that you and the rest of us thought that the internet was going to be the world wide web, and instead it's become a, a million different silos. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think that when I wrote Microtrends ten years ago, I was very optimistic about the the world of choice, really opening society up. And instead, what seems to have happened is, is that and and I like and I say, well, look, you know, pretend America is a restaurant that just serves chicken and fish, and people don't care that much about their choice. Add steak and sushi. Well, the people that, that love steak have it every day, and the people that love sushi. But you know what? The sushi folks say, ooh, steak? I wouldn't touch that. And the steak goes, wow, raw fish? So not <laughs> only do they silo out, but they become more and more disconnected from each other. So in other words, we have more and more choices, and yet we're using those choices instead of picking from a bigger menu, uh, picking from smaller parts of the menu? Instead, we find those things that make us happy, repeat them over and over again, and it becomes a reinforcing cycle that then isolates us. Now move over to news, so we get more people who are very conservative and very liberal, and rather than kind of mixing it up, and well, wow, this is great. I'll watch MSNBC today. Whoa, maybe let's see what's hot on Fox. No, what happened is people have siloed out, and that is the problem that we have to solve. There was a really scary story in the New York Times recently about how Facebook, which was we thought was going to be a tool to connect people and friends and, and spread helpful information. It can also be used to spread all kinds of scary conspiracy theories and rumors and has led to some terrible vigilante uh, mob violence in Sri Lanka and other places. How did a tool for connecting friends uh, turn into something that isn't just getting us into niches but, but actually you know, encouraging violent behavior in certain cases? Yeah, well, again, I think for every trend, there's a counter trend. And we're in the age of information, and we're also in the age of misinformation. And so kind of understanding how misinformation works and can dissemble things uh, and how powerful it can be at the same time you have, uh, you know, at your fingertips an incredible world of information, you know, and power that, that people just never had before. You know, I, I don't think at the end of the day some of these things – 
uh, are as powerful one way or the other as people make them out to be. But I, I don't really want to comment on Sri Lanka because I, I haven't really researched the facts and looked at, at how reliable these studies are. In the US, you know, I always point out that the $100,000 of ads taken out by the ISA was 55,000 was spent after the election. This is the Russian yeah. ads in the 2016 election that, that we've heard so much about. And yet, as you're saying, the overall budget was relatively tiny compared to the level of spending by other groups and candidates. Well, and, and the messages, you could see those messages Frankly, on the on, on cable TV, any hour of any day. So it's not like they had magically divisive messages. They were just playing on things that they saw in our society anyway. But but 55% was after the election, and 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 a chunk of it was before the election even began, and and most of it didn't even mention candidates. So so let's not let's not go overboard here. The 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 the, the truth is yes, misinformation, fake ID, uh, you know, bots and so forth can be used, can be used destructively. Uh, but but let's also put that in perspective here that there are like 140 million posts a day. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, a, a, another, you know, 2000 is, is not going to tip the ship. You just made a really interesting point, Mark, about, I guess, the, the, the zeitgeist, which was so pro-Facebook for years. It was like Facebook was a wonderful thing. And we read lots of articles in the newspapers and online about how Facebook was bringing us together. And now it's, oh, it's terrible. So, you know, elites, well-educated, well-off, follow the news very carefully. They don't know that much about Facebook. They, they, they kind of take in some talking points, some news articles, some political cues, and suddenly they have an opinion on what's going on in Facebook. The elites have become the most spinnable group from one <laughs> narrative to the next, the least evidence-oriented. And if, if I take like a, something I pulled on recently, gun violence in America, you think gun violence in America is up or down? Gun violence in America is dramatically down. I, I think I could go to 100 people on the street and maybe one out of 100 would, would, would agree with that because the counter narrative is so powerful. And we just had the Waffle House shooting making uh, headlines, another gun tragedy caused by an assault weapon. But as a percentage of overall killings, assault weapons are tiny, right? Well, of approximately 15,000 murders a year, 12,000 carried out by gun, about 1,600 carried out by fists. Uh, 240 are carried out by any type of, of rifle. But once again, what, what's, what's the fact? This guy actually was caught in the system. His guns were removed. He was identified as psychologically unbalanced. And then the guns were given back to his dad, who gave them back to him. It's How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. And we're speaking with Mark Penn, who's a pollster and political consultant, also the author of Microtrend Squared, a new book, which is a follow-up from a book that Mark wrote 10 years ago called Microtrends. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com.
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So why should we pay attention to microtrends, Mark? Why are they important? Because microtrends really are what determined the last election, for example. Uh, I I think that the clash between old economy voters and Silicon Valley voters uh, turned out to be a reassertion of power for a microtrend that people, people just didn't notice like the fact that factory jobs, when I was working for President Clinton, stabilized to 20 million, and the fact that when Trump was running, they dropped to 11 million, leaving 9 million households out of work from those factory jobs at which really no attention had been paid by the last couple of administrations. When you worked for Bill Clinton, a micro trend that you spotted and arguably helped elect him were soccer moms. So this can have major implications. That's right. And, and interestingly, soccer moms was a way of expanding the Democratic Party and saying, hey, you've got those uh, downscale working class guys who didn't go to college, but you know you're not getting these kind of better educated women entering the workforce with kids. And, and so, so we extend it out by leveraging that. And then it turns out 20 years later, the party had gotten so far removed from uh, its base of working class guys that those were exactly the voters that got lost. So microtrends are critically important. It looks highly likely that the Democrats will do well um, in, the, in the fall election. What are microtrends that they should really pay attention to Um, if they actually want to be around uh, in a majority two years from now in 2020? Well, we've seen that there's this conflict between the old economy voters and the Silicon Valley voters. We've seen that there's a conflict in the generations, right, between many of the older voters and the millennials. So what happened here was Trump and his campaign peeled off the older generation, the old economy voters, who reasserted themselves. The question is for Democrats, well, they're doing better, I think, with, uh, with the soccer mom vote, but how, are they in fact bringing back some of these old economy voters or not? Because that's gonna be the difference between just, just nudging across the finish line uh, you know, in this November and, and opening up a, a significant lead and taking back the voters that, uh, that Trump has peeled off. Mark, you call the last chapter in your book taming our microtrends and you look at a lot of issues we're facing including some of the 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 things that we've talked about that are driven by the rise of digital technology what are some possible solutions you see to addressing these problems sure i identify problems in five or six areas and i and i try to outline uh some fix-it solutions uh to those problems some of the democracy stuff i'm I'm concerned that we have too many what I call couch potato voters, so that our campaigns go to get people off the couch through divisive campaigns. 
that we ought to have registration from birth. We ought to have a reorganized primary system for the for the presidency where it rotates so there's no gatekeepers. We got to get rid of caucuses that are undemocratic. I talk about this phenomenon of choice. People get uh, people have much more curiosity that 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 they lose through through the tech process. I am I am hugely concerned about about uh, ethics. Uh, engineers I think are wonderful people, but they don't have the policy. Uh, background and training to understand how some of their credible inventions can be used. You say that we need software to have a code of ethics. Could you explain that? Well, so I try to use this example often uh, with technology. I say, well, look, you know, you, you've got this, this uh, bot on your phone or whatever, and it tells you quite nicely, hey, it's going to rain today. Okay, thank you very much. Somebody in headquarters says, you know, we're telling Mark it's going to rain. What do we get out of this? Nothing. So let's do a deal with the umbrella company. Or like if you notice, Google Maps has done a deal with, uh, with Uber, right? And uh, let's get some, some commission every time Mark buys an umbrella or, or, or something because it's going to rain. Then somebody says, you know, we're just not making enough money because earnings are coming out soon. Is there anything we can do? And somebody says, you know what? That app right now is set to tell Mark it's going to rain when there's a 50% chance of rain. Let's just move it to 40% or 30%, and he'll buy more umbrellas. And you don't notice that what started out as working for you winds up about selling you stuff. And so take this you know, wonderful stuff that, that Amazon's giving you with a voice that orders things. Uh, it's just putting like a door-to-door salesperson in your in your closet or in your living room. Yeah. And you're also advocating that um, we need much more transparency on data collection, on how the algorithms work, so that people aren't just being presented by this, you know, uh, a, a set of information or a recommendation on the weather, assuming that it's neutral and objective when, in fact, it's shaped according to some very specific rules. Exactly. Instead of trying to help you get to work most efficiently and in the driest manner, it is just trying to take advantage of the fact that and sell you stuff. And you think it's the opposite. And you might want to want to sign on to a service, even if it costs you money, that's genuinely working for you and not for the umbrella company. But you don't have that choice because you don't know what's really happening. So I, I think that we are nowhere near the kind of adequate disclosure. I found in my work at, at, at Microsoft, people didn't realize that Google read their mail, read their text messages, analyzed them, and then gave them, you know, could be a doctor's report that you got with a disease, whatever it was, they analyzed it and then, and then did ads on the basis of that. Maybe you're okay with that. But, you know, if you don't know it, I can't set up a competing service over here that says, I don't do that. Right. And, and let you choose. And that's why it's so important. Do we need a, a new government agency or more regulation? Uh, look, I, I think we're going to need some additional regulation and we're going to need a group of people somewhere who really is state of the art in terms of understanding how all this works and can think through the intended and unintended consequences of any uh, of any rules and, and and regulations. I mean, I'm fascinated by what's happening with Facebook, right? Uh, so Facebook, Facebook says, you know what? Uh, 
this Cambridge Analytica thing, we're gonna, we've really closed our platform now so that no one can get data like Cambridge Analytica and analyze it. But the truth of the matter is, so what do you think Facebook does with the data? Facebook does exactly the same modeling. So what, what's happening here is Facebook can now shut out any other company from doing this kind of modeling, so there's only one source of it. That means that don't kid yourself. When, when you hand a list of people to Facebook and they do like-for-like like ads, they do exactly the same modeling. The, the question, and, and, the, and, the, and the Obama campaign did in fact do all this, this modeling. The questions are, is there appropriate disclosure, appropriate permissions, and appropriate handling? Don't let this be used as an excuse for the one or two tech companies that have 80% of the advertising market now to even have a greater share of that market and close out competition. Great. Thank, thank you, you so, so much. Yeah, thank you so much, Mark. That Great. was really, uh, really Great. on, and on Don't target. forget to mention, sometimes I don't mention Microtrend Squared enough. <laughs> we'll plug it. One of the things I really like about Mark's work is that he pushes back against this tendency we all have to think that the narrative of our time always is just running in one direction. There's one big story at a time. And what he shows again and again with these microtrends is you can have lots of contradictory things happening. Which goes to the spirit of this show, which is Mark is a contrarian. Yes, and absolutely. And he's looking for things that have been undernoticed and, and not commented on as well as they should have been. I mean, Jim, for 10 years, it seems, in the media, in the New York Times, Washington Post, Facebook, and Google could do nothing wrong and now the 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 tide has changed completely and it's hard to find stories that actually point out that there are good things about these sites i, I thought the way that mark kind of you know said let's not get too hysterical say about those russian ads on facebook um but he also noted in passing something that i think is really interesting back in obama's last presidential campaign the, his team worked very, very closely with Facebook, and there were a lot of articles about how brilliant they were at mining this data. There weren't a whole lot of people saying, oh, my gosh, this is scary. People thought it was pretty great at that time. One of the more interesting trends that Mark talked about, which, which does have a solution, is to pay attention to changes in demographics. For instance, the number of Americans in their 90s, living into their 90s, has really exploded. And so Mark then says, okay, it has implications. It has implications to, to home health care. The number of jobs in that area is going to go up a great deal. And also it has implications for Social Security. It's going to have to last a lot longer than had been thought. Yeah. On the digital side, I thought he had some really interesting points. We didn't get to all of them in the interview. We probably need something in the digital arena that's similar to all the, the groups and foundations that deal with medical ethics, where we where, you know, these are not going to be simple questions. They're not going to all have simple answers. So we probably could use not as a government solution, but the industry itself could set up a, a, a panel to begin to investigate these problems. You know, a lot of industries have done a pretty good job of regulating themselves in certain areas. You don't always need the government to step in. And I think I think a lot of the engineers in Silicon Valley are surprised to see where their algorithms have gone. They didn't intend this, and I think they might be open to a new approach. I don't know if we can do this in this case, but something that you said, Jim, which stuck with me, <laughs> is 
incentives. Give incentives for good behavior. Right. Since we're not paying for anything online, and these big platforms are so big and so useful to us that it's hard to look for alternatives, so many of these problems would go away if we just paid for stuff. If we, if we paid for our news, if we paid for search, if we paid for our social um, services that we get from these, if we paid for our email, so many of these problems would go away. There'd be so much more competition, and we would have so much more control over our data. I would love to see a system where, and again, the government doesn't necessarily need to enforce this. We should let's see some companies start up that are the anti Facebook, the private, you know, the private social network. I bet it's out there. I bet it's happening. I would like to see uh, a lot more attention. That's maybe something we should do a future show on. It's How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. And our producer is Miranda Schaefer. We are a production of Davies Content. We make digital audio for companies and nonprofits. Uh, the website is DaviesContent.com. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.